All right, welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. It's Nick and Brennan back at it again. Ready to break it down. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Still in our series on Matthew. We will be for a very long time. <laughs> we'll be saying that all year long. Yeah, and yeah. I'm okay with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and specifically this time around, of course, we're still in our kind of sub-series, uh, yeah, the Sermon on the Mount. So, yeah, it's where we find ourselves talking about salt and light this week. So. Absolutely. Cool. So, I think, I mean... To be honest with you, this part of the Sermon on the Mount is pretty straightforward. It at is. least majority of the audience in our church yeah. and whoever's listening has heard at least one or two sermons on this particular topic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, before we get started, I do have, I wouldn't say a bone to pick with you. Oh, okay. But Throw one of your analogies your in shot. the sermon, you talked about this greasy place that uh, it seemed like you had a distaste for. Okay. The Waffle House. The Waffle House. So so yeah. let's just put it on the podcast. What is your opinion of the Waffle House? Okay, so Greasy Spoon, and I yeah. gave an example as, with my little uh, funny cough, uh, Waffle House. Uh, definitely a greasy spoon. Hard to argue with that. Hey, I, I'm but greasy. absolutely b- amazing. Love the okay, Waffle cool. House. I'm not a hater, man. I just need to know I'm your stance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's a no brainer. I mean, I'd eat there every day if I could. There's a you know smorgasbord of good food that they offer, and yeah. you know uh, the cranky ladies there to bring it to you, and <laughs> so Waffle perfect. Yeah, it's, and less amount of coffee. Yeah, it's all just the experience, you know. It's all part of the experience. Yeah, depending on what time of day you go, you get a different right. experience. Absolutely. And so it's, I think it's good. It's a, it's a, a no-brainer. For Always that. a winner. All-star Always. special all the way, baby. It's super easy. It's just easy. The only Party thing that I have to pick with is because of inflation, their prices have gone up. I mean, which I get. I yeah. get it. Everything. But it's no longer like. The super cheap option. That was like four dollars and whatever. It's like it feels like two years ago, oh, yeah. and now it's I don't know. It's probably eight bucks or yeah. The All Star is like it's or, over ten bucks now. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know, but yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised because everything is basically just doubled. They're like inflation. Oh, and, and it's suddenly inflated by literally twice the price. Yeah. And the waffles of four haven't years. gone up that much. Yeah, no, they really, especially not Waffle House <laughs> not waffles. waffles. Right. <laughs> oh, so today's yeah. sponsor, it no. Uh, uh, I know, not but. Waffles. <laughs> Waffle House, if you're out there, we uh, we yeah. can talk. You never know. Yeah, I'm sure Wanna you love Jesus. Want to fund some ministry, Waffle yeah. House? Come on, we got you. That'd be a good a good outreach. Uh, Heck yeah, cook waffles, feed them to the homeless. I have uh, I have thought about that. I make a mean homemade waffle, and so yeah, like that kind of stuff would be fun. The thing about waffles is it's a little harder than pancakes. It's just literally the process of pressing that many waffles. Mm. You know, pancakes you can throw a bunch on a griddle and make a lot at a time. Yeah. A waffle, you know, you just you'd have to have a bunch of waffle makers and not end up blowing a circuit, which would be very easy to do <laughs> with that many waffle makers. So. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, a I good thought about this. A good friend of mine, um, uh, also a Pelicans lover, so we're even really good friends in mm-hmm. Lafayette. Him and a, a buddy in college started a, a Belgian waffle company, nice. and they were mobile. And so they would go to the uh, the horse farm, and they would do uh, where where everybody would meet on Saturdays and have this little farmers market, and they would make Belgian waffles. But they killed it. Fantastic. Killed it. Yeah, they did really well. I Heck think. Yeah, uh, man. I mean, who wouldn't want that? It was good. We'd stop by. Saturday morning, hit up a big, yummy yeah. Belgian waffle. And then you can get all your local veggies and right. fruits there, too, yeah. and hear Cajun music. It was it was a good Saturday. So. Very Cajun. Yeah. I, 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 missed, I missed that, but it's, it's good. So this week, we're in uh, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then mm-hmm. we'll jump in. 
You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, you let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Salt and Light, give us a synopsis of what uh, your sermon was about this Mm -hmm. week. Well, you know, at the heart of what Jesus is saying in here is that we have a purpose as Christians, and our purpose is defined by what Jesus calls us, right? He calls us to our purpose, and really, in many ways, in this text, he's calling us by our purpose. He, And I made note of this in the, in the message that he doesn't say, go be salt and light. He says, you are salt and light, yeah. and it really is... Uh, that's definitive and it is defining and like, hey, this is what you've become because of me. You know, this whole idea that we're a new creation in Christ. Well, he's made us with a purpose and that's that's the church, right? Yeah. Like his church that's going out into the world with the gospel that's carrying the message, which is salt and light for a world that needs it. Salt in the way all of its, you know, practical qualities, especially 2,000 years ago of preservation, mm-hmm. of seasoning, which is influence, right? I mean, yeah. if you put salt on food, you are influencing the flavor of that food. So it's it's defined by that, right? That's what we're supposed to be as Christians, go and salt the world, mm-hmm. right? To, uh, influence the world. Well, light, hey, go shine the light of Christ. Let that shine through you so that men may see your good deeds, but praise your Father in heaven. So it's not about you, mm-hmm. but it is about what you have become and what you do with what you've become. Yeah. So that's salt and light, right? That's it. We could go home after that. I mean, that's really the sermon, you know? <laughs> the end. Podcast <laughs> over. Kai would be happy. Uh, wouldn't have to yeah. do much. <laughs> Sorry, Kai. We're just getting warmed up. There is one explanation, because I, I believe that the salt as preservation, we... We understand that. Let's let's just talk about it a little bit because yeah. I think it's it's warranted. There's a lot of aspects to the salt thing. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about what are we preserving? Right. Um, yeah, I think the preservation aspect of that when it comes to salt outside of the the other piece of it, which is the seasoning, right? The impact that yeah. way. To me, it is about preserving. I would think the gospel and the influence of Christ that came to Earth right? The preservation of the message, because what Jesus ultimately came and brought was salvation for sure, right? But he also brought the message of the gospel, hope, right? And that continues on in the book of Acts and the apostles and on and on, right? And to us. So to me, when I think about preservation, that's what I'm thinking about. It is is the way of Christ Mm. that we are preserving in the world. Because without us doing that, right? And beyond something else supernatural happening, how does it happen? We are God's plan for what he is doing in the world right now. It's us. And we talked about last week that kingdom mindset of the kingdom is here. The kingdom is being brought here as Jesus is speaking this. The kingdom is now. Mm -hmm. And so we, as that saltiness, as that preservation, are are preserving the kingdom here and now. And so uh, my question that I think comes from this and some things I've recently seen on social media is, 
as Christians, are we preserving just that um, that kingdom mindset within the church, or is it a twofold process of, and I believe this is the answer, trying to hedge my bet, mm-hmm. of doing that, preserving the gospel within the church, but also bring the gospel and then preserving it in the world. So planting those seeds, calling people to repentance, and then preserving that aspect of it in the world as well. Like I, and when I say with the world, I think of like the government and um, aspects of that, like the school system. Sure. Like, is that our job as Christians to do? Mm-hmm. We speak of saltiness, or am I getting too much into the text? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think the the general answer to your question is yes. That it's both, right? right. It's like. The influence that we have within the church, that we keep the church pure, mm. that the message of, you know, Christ is maintained, that there's no other gospel, right? And, yeah. you know, just like Paul had to spend so much time in the New Testament letters pushing back against false gospels and, you know, poor influences in the church and lack mm. of teaching and all these things that we don't want. We want the clarity of the gospel. We want the truth of God's word. We want inerrant scripture being what's before people and that being their, you know, Uh, dividing line and what is right or wrong, right? So it's the word of God. That's a part of what we're preserving in the church. Now, outside of the church, there's an unbelieving world, right? And we're speaking in generalities. But outside of the church, there's an unbelieving world, which doesn't really care about any of that. Mm -hmm. So it has to be, you know, how do we bring to them the hope of and the freedom that's found in the gospel to set them free from the punishment of sin that they don't even realize they or care that they need to be free from. Yeah. That that to me is we're pre, we're preserving the fight against sin and death mm. when we carry the gospel into the world. Now, how does that play into how far our faith and our fight, if you will? presses into things like government or schools or um, that's a whole other level of question, right? It's not one I'm afraid to talk about. It's more just one that I think is more complicated, right? Mm -hmm. For a variety of reasons. I think that... Those are the two I most often hear about is like, oh, our kids need to go into the school system and and be light. And I totally agree with that. Um, But I, I think... Like you said, the beginning portion uh, of this or our conversation about preserving the church, preserving the gospel, then leads to us living out that great commission by going out Mm -hmm. and being that light within the world, which I think that second aspect of, um, I guess you would say, kind of like this parable uh, Mm -hmm. shows us. saltiness burns when it hits wounds <laughs> and when when we're telling people that they're in need of repentance and a savior it's it's gonna hurt sure. but i think once people come to grips and uh, come to know christ then that preservation begins to start within yeah. no, community it, and culture it requires heart change and yeah. that is not an easy thing and but you know that's uh that's our responsibility and i and i do believe that that in those ways that we can um, influence into those areas in our world, whether it's a school or a government or whatever, I think that that's a good thing. I just think that I, I just think the practical truth is there's going to be limits to that. Oh, well, yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, 
we live in a fallen world, and until mm-hmm. Christ comes back, we will not see the the full fruition of what it was like to be in the Garden of Eden. No, we won't. But government is good. It was it was established by God, and sure. He's created it in a specific way. Yeah. And I think that as Christians, some of us have uh, the ability and um, the resources to run for government, and mm-hmm. they should. Yeah. We need more Christian leaders. Sure. Um, and I think it's, and we should vote for the kinds of people that we believe are closest to. Mm-hmm you know, doing things that are in keeping with the spirit and plan of God as we can. And that is almost always an imperfect choice. Yeah. There's uh, there's very few times I've ever felt like there was the perfect choice mm. of, of somebody to vote for, yeah. ever, period. Jesus so, isn't running for office, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a second um, part of Sultanus that you talked about that um, I, I really wasn't familiar with. And mm. I don't think you spent a lot of time on it. You mentioned it, but it was that covenant, uh, Numbers 18. Oh, uh, yeah. It says it is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. I never probably, knew that. Yeah, probably because salt was something that was so precious and it was also traded. Yeah. And salt also, and I didn't even have time to get into all of this, but... Lots of Roman soldiers and others were paid in salt hmm. because it was a commodity um, and because it was something they needed, like for their family. That's so weird. So, <laughs> so like yeah, from us to like grasp salt. It. So, you know, you probably got a bundle or some amount. I don't know how much it was, but that's, you know, you got X amount of salt as your payment for whatever amount of time. And it, it probably varied like you bartering was a thing right yeah. bartering was still very much a thing and so you might have gotten different kinds of necessary goods that you and your family needed and that you earned it through yeah. your service well salt that became when it was like hey there's salt between us or it's a covenant of salt it's like um again a promise or a promissory note mm. like we think about money now yeah. and when you get paid that's called a what for the year. Uh, salary? Salary. Yeah, yeah. So that's where that comes from. <laughs> uh-huh. It goes It goes all the way back to that. So you have to start getting into the original languages, but yeah. ultimately salary is a, like, it comes from Latin and all of that, you know, all those languages are tied together. Yeah. So that is where that word comes from. So, yeah, your salary is, is salt, salt in a lot of ways. I mean, it's not, obviously, but it's, salt, it's originally where that word <laughs> yeah, came from yeah. because that's how they receive their salary. Yeah, Not always, yeah. but sometimes. So, I mean, so. yeah, it's, it, it is an important commodity. Yeah. You need it uh, to live. So, um, so uh, I have some news for you. We're going to be paying you in salt from here on out. <laughs> well, thank you. I'll, I'll pass. Um, <laughs> it's funny. It reminds me of that. I think it was Trident commercial where it's like, how come no one ever pays me in gum? It's oh, like, really? Well, it's like, because everybody likes uh, it. Yeah. But not. <laughs> uh, that's so silly. Uh, Oh, no, I'm so thrown off. <laughs> okay, so uh, you talked about uh, this saltiness in our life, no pun intended, should be uh, like the Jeremiah verse where it talks about there's a fire within mm-hmm. my bones that mm-hmm. I cannot just, uh, I cannot with, withhold to myself, mm-hmm. that it has to be shown. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives that um, transition into that, that idea of being the light. Right. So let's kind of hit on that light idea for a little while. I know you talked yeah. about um, not hiding under a bowl and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I'll let you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think you're talking about the Jeremiah verse of his, uh, his word is like a fire shut up in my bones and I cannot hold it in. And I think that 
that mess that text i just wanted to make sure we put that in there so that we got the emphasis of how we should feel about the gospel and how we should feel about the word of god and how we should feel about being salt and light in a world that needs it right so that i guess i kind of put that in there more about the emphasis Mm -hmm. right of do we really care to be these things that Jesus has called us to be? Um, are we lackadaisical yeah. about it or are we fired up about it? Cause mm. Jeremiah was fired up about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That, that reminds me. Uh, so Brian and I were texting back and forth uh, this weekend and he had this podcast that he shared with me. He's like, Hey, give it a listen. It's about mm-hmm. discipleship. Um, and he talks about this book that I read when I was working on my master's called the, the, um, the Holy Longings, I believe it's called, or the Sacred Fire, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holy Longings is, is the first book. Sacred Fire is the second one. But he talks about these, there's there's three distinct um, time periods of discipleship in your life. And he talks about how, how the first differs from the second, and the second differs from the third, but none of them are wrong. Right. But what that looks like is exactly what Jeremiah is talking about, is whatever season you're in, you have this fire within you that you can't help but live out your life in a way that shows people the gospel. So when you're young and you're on fire and you feel like you can take on the world and you do all these things and you may have success in one area and failures in the other, whenever you're doing all those things, you should have the gospel in mind. And so when then when you get into your 30s and 40s and you're raising your kids and you've been hurt by life and you've seen that you can't take on everything and your focus becomes your children then, how do you then show the gospel to your family? How then do you love your neighbor? How then do you uh, give what you have because God has blessed you? And then it goes into the third. And how do you how do you die a death that then is satisfying to showing your light? And it's a, it's an interesting and fascinating book. I'm rereading it for the second time because mm. I missed a lot the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, it kind of gives us a picture of no matter where you are in life, your goal is to then share the gospel, is right. to live that gospel out. Hmm. Um, no, that's good. That's a good goal, though. Um, but you were talking about light, and, and I got us digressing some there, too. I, I think, you know, the bottom line on that is is Jesus makes that, you know, he uses all these practical things that were so closely associated with life at the time, which is one of the reasons why preachers today, like me and you and others, do the exact same thing. We're just following in his footsteps. We try to give modern day examples that connect with our audience, right? So everybody there, everybody that would have heard him um, on that mountainside, you know, in Judea, would have thought, oh yeah, well, yeah, I've got a light in my house. And it's not that, oh yeah, and that light in that city on the hill, sure, nobody can miss that. You can't hide it because there's there's light coming from that city. You can't disguise it, right? So in, in your home, of course, once you lit a light, you lit a candle, you lit a torch, you lit whatever it was, the oil, you know, based, wick-based kind of thing, um, lamp kind of deal, uh, you, you didn't want to put it out because it wasn't easy to start it again. <laughs> you know, no lighters, no, yeah, you know, matches, no matches none of that stuff, stuff, right? You were flint and whatever else, I would assume, trying to start your wick i mean what a pain right uh, we would so, have got a lot many of dark lids dark, yeah dark but it just be like ah forget <laughs> it it'll be fine yeah. well it'll the sun will be up in the morning mm-hmm. 
Uh, so, you know, you want to protect it. So lots of times I would expect that if a family was not going f away from their home for long, they could leave that burning if it wasn't going to burn up all, the, all their oil or their candle or whatever they were using. Um, and I haven't done a lot of research. I assume they had candles, but I don't really know. Your yeah. guess is as good as mine on if they had figured out wax candles yeah, in the ancient these, near Middle uh... East at that point. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I know they would have had some type of a lamp, an yeah. oil-based lamp, but don't know. So anyway, if they had a, a candle or something like that, they would put it under an earthen, you know, bushel right hide it under a bushel no i'm gonna let it shine right yeah so they would put that under some kind of an earthen vessel that would keep it from burning your house down right if something happened or fell or whatever uh but then they could take it back off when people came in of course when there's nobody in there it's not needed you don't yeah. need the light right but when you came in nobody would leave it under the they wouldn't leave it under that that vessel they're going to take it out. You're going to, and then you're going to put it up on a stand so that it lights the whole house. Well, the same thing is true of us mm -hmm. as light. If we are light, nobody is supposed to take that light and kind of suppress it. Like, oh, I'm just going to kind of hide it over here. You know, I'm yeah. sure there's not anybody around that even needs any light anyway. Mm. Right? I mean, the idea is simple but powerful. And it's, yeah. it's, it's so simple that it is also insanely, deeply, mm. beautifully rich this lesson from Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. This message from Christ that gets you thinking and, you know, it's it's intricate but simple. And that that's just cool. It's just one of the things he does, right? Well, I have a confession to make. Okay, cool. I always thought this little light of mine hide it under a bush. Oh, no. No way. And that's it. That's awesome. A bushel. I love that you thought that that was bush. I never understood why the bush didn't catch on fire. I'm, ne I'm and never going to let you forget then that. Then you have this whole fire. You don't have just a, a little bit of candle now. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, All right. Well, VBS failed uh, me as a kid. What did I uh, see? I saw another thing, one of these memes going around the other day. Oh, here's a lady wanted her boyfriend or husband or whatever it was to order her a chicken Caesar salad. <laughs> And she she typed in the message, you know, they were messaging back and forth. Will you get, <laughs> will you get me a chicken seize her salad? And he's like, do you mean a chicken Caesar salad? And she's like, oh, is that what it is? <laughs> she didn't know. She <laughs> thought a chicken was Caesar. Chicken <laughs> her salad. Oh, man. I mean. There was a chicken in the back watching all the salads. That's almost as crazy as thinking that the song is hide it under a bush. I, I honestly, oh, no. Because you're going to burn the bushes down. <laughs> I never understood it. Oh my gosh. But I sang it because I love Jesus. That's amazing. And that's what we did. That is amazing. That is we won't talk about a, a bomb in Gilead tonight yeah. today. Yeah, no bombs in Gilead. Uh, there's no man. bombs Let's in Gilead. Not do that. Uh, yeah. Dude, that's but great, I, man. I, yeah, I do think that that's, that's such a, uh, a, a, a timeless imagery for us is because we still understand light yeah we understand that we don't want it to be hidden if, if you're in an airplane and the the runway strip is not lit mm -hmm. then you're in trouble, you're in trouble we yeah. see that light is important and for us as um as christians 
the gospel that's within us is is the light. Mm-hmm. It points to Jesus. It doesn't point to ourselves. Right. We don't want it to. Um, when it does, we should repent. Um, we should always point people towards God. Um, I think oftentimes when it is pointed towards us and then we fail, then a lot of people's faith is messed up. Uh, we will fail. We are sinners just like everybody else. But yeah. as Christians, we should want those who don't know the light to see the light within us, which is God. And, and being light and salt and light is a responsibility. Correct. You know, it comes an, with responsibility. It's an action. It's yeah. not just a, um, I don't even know what you would, would what you would call it. It's not just a, a presence like, right. oh, I am light. I am salt. Yeah. But I never actually do anything with that. It, there's a natural, yeah. hey, we live like this. We're intentional with our words. We share the gospel with people. We live a certain way. We help people. Those are actions. Yeah, if you call yourself a Christian, then that shows up in what you actually do, right? Correct. You know, in so many ways, we are what our actions say we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we are not just what we say we are. We're yeah. what our actions say we are. So we have to decide what we're going to do with that. And Jesus has called us to a greater responsibility. So mm-hmm. it's on all of us to step into it. And so why don't we finish real quick by kind of talking about, especially on the discipleship aspect, mm-hmm. What do you think that looks like? Like, what do you think on a daily basis, you know, very practically, how do we help people who are listening to the pod say, okay, cool, I get it. Yeah. I know I got to be salt and light. Um, what what does that look like? And I know I mm-hmm. talked last week about, like, we try not to give you a list of things to go <laughs> yeah. do this list. We're liars. No. But just, I do think, like, yeah. maybe we can help with what does that look like practically? Let's do this. I'll, okay. I'll give one from the area of life that I'm within. Sure. And I believe you're further ahead of me than yeah. right. you give one. So All here's right. cool. here's what I believe, um, or here's practically what it looks like for me. Um, and and our, I did this really well in Louisiana, and we're still kind of learning how to do this here. Mm-hmm. Where we are in life, we're a young family. Mm-hmm. So our first and foremost, our first disciples are our kids. And so we are very intentional with um, with how we parent, with mm-hmm. how we discipline. Do we do that perfectly? No. Sure. My house has been chaotic the last two days because <laughs> of sickness. And there has been many of emotions, yeah. many of, um, of things that have angered me and I have lashed out in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Repentance is there. Yeah. But majority of the time we take, we deliberately um, have conversations with our girls when their emotions get out of hand. Whenever they lash out, we call things how they are, sin. We show them what is light, mm-hmm. what is salt. How do we, how do we, how do we say, okay, this is how you live. Mm-hmm. They sometimes get it. They sometimes don't. But I think the most important part is how do we live that out? How do we show that to the community around us is we invite people into our lives. Mm-hmm. So we invite people over to our house. And when we invite people over to our house, we don't just shoo those opportunities away. Yeah. If our kids are cutting up, if they are being unruly, we take a moment to discipline. Mm-hmm. And we're, well, I mean, we don't discipline them in front of everyone. Yeah. We have those conversations with people that are in our our life area. And I found um, a good amount of success in doing that. And so I'll use the example of a good friend, Jeremy, who um, came over to our house one day and he was like, do y'all do this every night or are y'all just doing this because I'm here? Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, we do this every night. 
Like, mm-hmm. I'm not just having a conversation about scripture with my wife just because you're here. Right. I'm not praying at the table just because you're here. This is how we live. Sure. And so inviting people into those moments is, I find, the easiest way. Now, there are opportunities within our life where we are in public and we can have those conversations with people who don't believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, why are you disciplining that way? Why are you having those conversations with a two-year-old they don't understand? Well, we believe they do. Mm-hmm. We believe they are called to repentance and that we believe that they can repent at that age. And so I think that's, for me, um, in the area of life that I'm in, those are the two easiest and most practical ways that that I have to show my light and be sold. Sure. I I think generally I'm going to land in the same place in my answer that it's lifestyle evangelism. You know, and so much of life in the West is lived relationally, with our peers. Mm. And what I mean by that is most of us associate with people that are generally the same age, especially in our friendships. Like you and I as pastors is a little different because we're blessed to have a lot of relationships across the age spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, that's a little bit different, but for the vast majority of people, you know, generally their friendships are with people who are in the same stage of life as them. So the better job you do of utilizing your stage of life for evangelism, the more effective you will be with actually sharing the gospel, inviting people to church, because again, that's, that's kind of a Western, it's the, it's one of the key Western approaches to getting people to come to a place of gospel. Because we are all so busy. And yeah. so why not just invite people into what you're already doing and what they're already doing? And and the, the truth is that people in the South and people in the West, as it relates to, you know, the, the broader earth, are more open to trying your church, especially when, again, if you're doing lifestyle evangelism and you have kids that are in the same range, age range, all that kind of stuff, they'll come for their kids, even if they won't come necessarily because they're coming for them. But over time, what I've seen in ministry is those families have an opportunity to come to belief themselves and grow in ways they did not expect. I've seen that happen a lot. Yeah. Um, most and most critically, when you can get the dads, yeah. when the dads uh, invite another dad or invite another family, huge, yeah. right? Moms are hugely important as well, obviously, but really critical when you get the fathers involved. Yeah. Um, all the statistics tell us that the whole family comes to Christ when that happens. Unfortunately, the flip side of that is sometimes mom and kids can come to Christ and dad will be on the outside kind of looking in. Mm-hmm. doesn't always happen, but it does. So the goal is to create those family opportunities for the gospel. So I think we're salt and light when we do relational evangelism. Mm-hmm. When we look at those times at our soccer games, you know, at yeah. the swim meet, at whatever it is. I'm looking forward to that. We just signed right. up for our And so, you know, yeah. as your kids are into that age, you'll find more and more opportunity for that. And lots of times it is as simple, and quite frankly, this day and age, most people are more comfortable with, well, I could invite somebody to the church. I don't know if I'm ready to have like a full-on, in-depth discussion with them about, you know, faith stuff. Hmm. Okay. Well, then maybe for you, the best plan is to invite somebody to church. And for others, they're at a different level of their own discipleship and a, yeah. a, a, a evangelism ability. Let's get you there. Like, that's, right. it's, it's, a, it's a problem that if you see, like, it's, yeah. it's fixable. For sure. It really is. I mean, and that's, it's, in the book I'm reading, it's, it's a process, like you just said. Yep. And 
it's not a linear process. No. For some people, it takes longer, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Like there are some areas of my life that are going to take way longer than other people, and it's okay. <laughs> like we all yeah. don't have to be on the same. This is not. I, I mean, I'm sure for some places and some people, it has worked that you know we have the tract that uh, we hand them and then ask them if they're ready to make a decision. That's not how most actual conversations around discipleship and spiritual growth and somebody's spiritual journey happens. Mm. So we have to decide if we're gonna be in it for the journey with them and that we can be salt and light to them more than just that one moment that we might be witnessing to them. So I think from a practical standpoint, those things are, we just have to commit, like, again, it's like a fire shut up in my bones and I care enough about it that I, I have to say something. Yeah. Let's just start there. Like, get to that place where yeah. I have to say something. I don't even know what something is. Maybe it's just like, hey, you know, we really love our church and we'd love, we love you guys. You seem great. We'd love for you guys to come and just kind of check it out with us. That's not hard, yeah. right? That Like, you and I could do that if we care enough about the people around us, even if we get an awkward, you know, like, well, yeah, maybe we'll do that. Okay, well. Well, at least I tried, right? You know, I gave it, I gave it an effort. I cared enough to say something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where it starts for most people. I think so. Yeah, I think that's a an easy next step, right? Uh, just one that, that everyone can take. Yep, absolutely. Um, and if you have questions, feel free to reach out for to us. Sure. Because, like yeah. we said earlier, uh, not everybody's. Uh, path is the same in discipleship. Yep. And so in us getting to know you, we can help you with whatever next step yeah, you Yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd love to help you. And I, I have ongoing conversations with people that are further along in that process or further along in the process with particular people. And I try to give them guidance that's specific to their situation, yeah. which is way, quite frankly, is way easier to Absolutely. say, okay, what's going on? Let's, <laughs> what if you tried this, yeah. you know, yeah. or maybe come at it from this angle, or here's a book I know about that I think could really help you, you know. And Brennan's obviously able to do that with you too. So that's yep. what we're here for. I'd like to do that. So, all right, what you got going on? Man, what do we, well, we're going, we're leaving Sunday, as you know, because you're going to, uh, to oh. a conference. Yeah, well, by the way, <laughs> like, oh. yeah, that's Sunday. <laughs> uh, going to a conference in Savannah that we go to every other year uh, called the Next Level Conference for Leadership mm-hmm. um, at uh, Compassion Christian Church there. They do an awesome job. Going to be awesome to have the staff together and yeah. spend a couple of days growing. Um, and I'm, I'm pumped for that. How about you? Same man. Yeah. I got. The, I missed out on the last time we went because right. we had the COVID when we first uh, moved the here. Old COVID. So uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> we were sick at the beginning of the week. We're all well now. Yeah. Uh, that we're not sick. Uh, that yeah. Be so it's good. been two years, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Two years. Wow. Maybe two years this Sunday. Oh, awesome, man. Because my first Sunday, I think, was the last Sunday in January. If I yeah, I knew it was Something right around like the beginning of the year. So, yeah. congratulations, man. Thank you. It's we're been glad a fun to two have years. You. Two years. Too long. You're just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here. I know yep. I'll be for a long time. So yep, yep. Uh, excited. But uh, thanks for listening to the podcast and we'll see you guys next week. See you then.